Yes, we are back for another episode of the HMS Podcast. I am so excited to be joined today by our music teacher and choir director, Mr. Strinka. I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. Mr. Shrinka shares some of his background, uh, how he fell in love with music in the first place, and also some great advice to all of our musicians out there on how you can become involved in music. Like I said, I hope you enjoy it. I had a great time talking with Mr. Shrinka, so let's check it out. Here we go. Well, hello, Mr. Strinka. Thank you for joining me on our episode of the HMS Podcast. Let's get right to it. So, okay. Um, uh, so, tell all of our listeners all about Mr. Strinka. <laughs> what do they? What should they know about Mr. Strinka? Oh man. Well, so the first thing, if if you don't know me really well, um, I've been teaching here for about ten years. This is this is my ninth year here at Highland, and I teach at the middle school and the high school. I run the choral department, so all, all the choirs and the general music. And this year at the high school, I'm teaching a history of rock course. We have two sections of it. It's really, it's a fun class. Uh, some days I leave with my ears ringing, but it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And so uh, you should all consider taking that as well. Shameless plug, right? Shameless, shameless plug. Shameless, I, you know, I'm a music teacher. I got to start with some shameless plugs. Exactly. Um, and uh, so I, I went to music school. I met my wife, Juliet, and we've got three kids at home, three boys. Uh, my oldest one is six, uh, Nico, and Caleb's five, and Josiah just turned one, so my house is always in constant chaos. Yes, yeah. never a dull moment. No. So, Mr. Strinka, how did you become interested in music, and uh, maybe what inspired you to become a music teacher? Mm. Well, I started playing piano when I was really young, and that was my primary, you know, focus. When I, when I was a kid, I, I discovered music early. I was thankful for that, and I learned how to read music early. Um, but one thing that really always struck me, I actually came into teaching um, through my interest in, in and fascination in conducting, actually. Um, when I was a kid, I was always amazed by watching conductors. And I grew up kind of near the Cleveland area. Okay. And you probably know, if you know anything about the orchestras, the Cleveland Orchestra is one of the best in the whole country. I remember seeing them when I was a kid, and it made a big impression on me. And uh, what, I did a lot of musical activities. You know, I did theater, and I did choir, and I did band. When I was in band in high school, I became the, the drum major of the marching band and that was my first opportunity to actually get up in front of everybody and direct a piece of music and um, that's kind of what you know sent me down that path of actually doing that day in and day out so I was interested in conducting and and teaching was kind of a natural byproduct of what I had been doing I had taught I'd always taught piano lessons even when I was a kid I was teaching younger kids I was teaching my cousins um, and I, I have three younger siblings, and all four of us, we all play. We all played piano, so we would do like eight-hand piano quartet. We would all do, we would do like uh, you know a whole fam. It would be a whole family, uh, uh, you know, recital. We would do things like that. So, you know, it was kind of a natural thing. And and 
I was I was lucky. I had some really good teachers too, mm-hmm. um, really inspirational teachers. So. So how did you wind up from? So where did you did you say where you went to college? I went to Ohio Wesleyan. Okay. In Delaware. And then is that how did you wind? So your track your kind of took you from Cleveland to Delaware to mm-hmm. Ohio Wesleyan. How did yep. you wind up at Highland? Oh, well, um, when I was when I was in college, I. I didn't really wander over on this side of <laughs> 71, you yeah. know? And uh, I, it was funny. I, I, I had applied to so many jobs. I, I had worked, my first job, I was in Cincinnati. I worked for two years at, at, a, at a big district, and, and that was back when the economy took a real big downturn. And I remember that, I think that that year they had just made, they had made huge cuts. And uh, when I was hired, it, the, with my first job, I, I came in with, I think there were three other music teachers, so four of us wow. at the same time. And within two years, they didn't have the budget anymore, and all four of us had to leave. And so wow. so I spent some time, I did some subbing, I did some long-term subbing and accompanying all through Cincinnati area. But I wanted to come back and, you know, get a real program, because, you know, I wanted to get a program of my own. And so I, I applied to all these jobs. I applied to Highland really on a whim. And I, I, I really had never uh, been up this way, like I said. So I, I, re- I still remember the day when I came out for my interview, and I, w- I was just driving through the cornfield, and, I, and all of a sudden, boom! This big, huge, like, whoa! Where'd that, you know, where'd this yeah. school come from? Yeah. I was, I was really shocked by it. And uh, yeah, and I, and I went to the high school, which was like brand new at the time, and mm-hmm. I was like, wow, it was amazing. And uh, so the rest is history. The rest so, is history. Yeah. So um, you know, one of the common questions that I've been asking students is you know march 13th last year we're shut down and initially for Hmm. three weeks and it winds up being for the remainder of the school year the last three months of school what was that experience like for you as a teacher crazy (laughs) (laughs) and that wraps up the interview i i couldn't believe it you know i really i was not prepping i was not as prepared as i should my wife was warning me we got to get some supplies. I'm like, there's no way. She's like, you're going to be home from school. I said, there's no way. I, d- I just didn't think it was possible. And uh, at that time, I was, you know, I, I knew it could happen, but I was, I was totally shocked that day when, we, when everybody got sent home. And I, you know, I still had a, uh, I had a student teacher at the NAS, and we were just kind of sitting there twiddling our thumbs like, what now? What now? I think we made the best of it. I think, you know, People have asked me this a hundred times, and I always give the same answer. And uh, and I think it's I think it's really true that the music teachers were in a good position, maybe much more than some of the other subjects, because even pre-COVID, I mean, we had so many resources at our disposal online, and we have really great you know professional, um, like our 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 OMEA, the Ohio Music Education Association, is a great awesome resource and and there i mean there are literally thousands and thousands of people who who we were already collaborating you know in forums and and whatnot so people really came together quickly and um i was it didn't really surprise me you know because i had seen this kind of thing before but so the take the omea for example all of a sudden even before even before a lot of schools had plans in place they were getting you know they were sending around this whole statewide um basically like hive mind idea chart of like every possible resource and so it did a lot of the thinking for you you could just like look at this master list and say oh you know this would work for my group and this would work for this class and so 
you know, we had a lot of things in place to help us. Now, we did, obviously, as the choir teacher, it was, that was a train wreck because it just <laughs> kills you mid, you know, mid concert. Right. You know, we were, we had, we had a concert, you know, weeks away and, and had to cancel the art spectacular, which we'd never done. But, you know, and we tried, we tried to do some online Zoom rehearsals and it just didn't work really well with the lag. So we were not prepared for that, but I yeah. think there was, there was enough supplementary material that, you know, we got through it. So, so obviously, you know, this is not something that any of us were ever trained for of, you know, teaching virtually or, mm. you know, teaching in the middle of a global pandemic. So, um, but for our listeners, you know, one of the things that we've talked about as a staff and as a district is that, you know, what, what lessons did we learn in, you know, the situation of last spring or even, you know, this fall starting in hybrid that, that we're going to continue using, you know, to improve our practices going forward. So what's something that maybe that you learned or a strategy that you pulled from those resources that you will like continue to utilize even, you know, in the midst of normalcy, whenever that may return? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. I, you know, I can remember back to my own student teaching days when I was just entering this profession. And there was talk back then, that was 2008. And, you know, people were talking technology, but it, we weren't, we were just on the cusp of a lot of technology. It wasn't quite implemented fully. And so my, you know, this is not a knock on my education, but, but, the, but really our technology experience was not great. I realize now that there's really no turning back probably with, with you know, incorporating technology. And, sure. and the universities are doing a much better job now more than ever because mm-hmm. they, they have to. And so I think, you know, just being able to find creative solutions to those kinds of problems and, and finding ways to collaborate. Now, I still think, you know, I'm, I'm still old school in that way. I, I, I don't think that I don't think that technology could ever replace like what you experience in an ensemble with your peers next to you. You know, this is a really this is kind of a cheesy thing, but it's true. It's actually true. They've done studies on on choirs when they sing together that if they if they get to know each other well enough and if they practice, you know, some choirs, they'll, you know, some professional choirs, they meet 40 hours a week and sit and rehearse and practice. And, and you know, uh, college choirs, sometimes they'll meet every day. Our high school choir met every day of the week for an hour. So, you know, there are studies that show that have shown that when when people spend that much time together and they're all of one mind, strange things start to happen. Like um, they found that that singers' heartbeats will start to will sync up as they're as they're singing a piece, and it's really that's really unbelievable, but it's true. They've they've studied things like that, and so it's so you can't no technology can replace that human experience. But I've you know I was really impressed at what was out there. Um, as far as, you know, people who were starting up um, virtual choirs and, you know, even even Zoom. I mean, I had never touched Zoom before March 13th or whatever it was. So so all of those things, you know, there are a lot of tools at our disposal that, you know, I think that they, they're not going to go away. You know, they're going to be they're going to be creatively used. So it's interesting that you, you touched on, you know, uh, like kind of the, the choir and the uh, almost like the contagious emotions or the, mm. you know, the the syncing up of one another, which kind of leads me up to my next question. So that transitioned nicely. So, you know, I know that right now with, you know, the uncertainty with, you know, coronavirus and, 
You know, there's just a lot of upheaval, you know, just in our country and society right now. So there's a lot, there's a lot of anxiety. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about how music can be an antidote to anxiety. What has your mm. experience been with, with that? I think every middle schooler listening already knows how music can be the antidote for anxiety. Um, music is like the perfect tool that you can use. Um, and I'm really, I'm really interested in like the science, just as kind of like a hobby. And I talk about it in my general music classes. I talk about how they've, they've done a lot of research on how music affects the brain primarily. And, and, and I, do, I show some videos in class which t- talks about some of the cognitive benefits, like how music listening improves your memory function, how music skills um, just help you with your left to right brain connection and things like that. But what you're talking about is on a, a whole other level of like a, a, a human level, an emotional level. Um, and those are things that, that would be, it's hard for me, it would be hard for me to describe it, but everybody knows that music can do that. And that's why it's, it's always been there as part of the curriculum, because it's, it's so valuable in that way. No doubt. Yeah. So, um, so obviously music is a humongous part of your life. But but talk a little bit about what what is uh, what what is Mr. Strinka interested in outside of music? What are what are some <laughs> of the things that you're involved with outside of you know Highland Music Department? Yeah, well, there <laughs> uh, a lot of it is music. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, okay, I'll do a few short music things and I'll get and I'll do some personal. Okay, okay. Things. So, but musical, but music. I don't know. The music music is my passion and it's my hobby and it is my life and. I feel very fortunate. There are not a lot of people that can totally say to themselves, I want to be a musician, and then actually support themselves on it. It's just like someone who says, I want to be an actor. You know, Well, if you want to be an actor, you got to be a waiter. you got to be okay being a waiter for a time, and you got to be okay being an extra for a time. So anyway, so I feel very fortunate, you know. And I've worked, so musically, I mean, I have other jobs that I do on the side. You know, I've worked with, I've worked with universities, and I, I, I worked with... Uh, like MTV Arts has a as a theater group that I've worked with their summer musicals. So, um, but outside of that, though, I mean, right now in my time of life, um, the free moments that I can get, uh, I I like spending time with my with my boys. And they're they're you know they are on the, they have I think some musical talent. Uh, I. My oldest, for example, he, he'll just go and practice piano. We don't even have to ask him. He just wants to go do it. He has a perfect, perfect ear. And he can match pitch. He's been able to match pitch since he was a kid, since he was a baby, you know. And, and so, but they also have interest in, in uh, you know, sports too. And I totally encourage whatever they want to go through right now. So my, I know you, we met each other the, uh, maybe a year ago so when you were coaching. So my boys were doing basketball at the YMCA. Yeah. Um, now they're doing gymnastics. Like my oldest son's doing gymnastics. Like anything. Like we we're just like whatever. They've done swimming lessons at Kenyon. They've done. I mean anything. We just tr- we're just trying to get them to experiment as much as possible. So I so I you know I like to spend time with them and and you know we like to go on hikes. We're outdoors people. Um, my personal hobby is is I like to go backpacking and, and hiking. So I'm so you know we'll go on trips to Tennessee or Michigan or you know just out in the wilderness and see if you can go out for three or four days and just not be around anybody and mm-hmm. just it's, re- it's really it's fun you know I've, I've done it only once I've done it in February and it was in a blizzard and, and that was not fun <laughs> that was really not fun because you can't 
you just can't get warm enough. But but other than that, yeah. it's, it's usually a good time. <laughs> um, so so final question. Yeah. Um, and this has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for joining mm. me today. Um, so we've got, you know, and you mentioned that, you know, that you want your sons to be involved in as much as possible. And unfortunately, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, however you look at it, we've got a ton of options for kids here at school. So what would you say to those kids or how would you encourage those, those students here at the middle school that are involved in robotics and involved in athletics and involved in fitness and, and just don't have time in their school day schedule to be involved with music, whether that's band, whether that's choir, how would you encourage those students to still get involved with music? What are some, some things that you would, you would um, some advice that you would give to those students? That's a good question. There, there are so many things that oppose us with either, you know, even, even by the time you're in middle school, you can look at your peers and you can say, well, that person has so much more experience, you know, whether it's in music, you know, if, they've, if a person has been taking piano lessons for 10 years, or you could look at, you know, you could be a person who's not really an athlete, and you could look at someone who has had the football in their hand since they were a baby. I mean, so I would say the, the first piece of advice that I would say to anybody is that you need to res- reserve judgment. Uh, you can't make a judgment call and just say, I'm not good at this. And that's the worst thing a teacher can say, like, you're bad at math, or you're bad at art. <laughs> well, I had a teacher say that to me once. You're bad at art. Well, I well I am bad at art, but only because they, you know, that planted that seed in my brain. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever told me I was bad at music, though. You see, and, and so it leaves that, that door open for you. So I would say you gotta get, you've got to, like, get rid of your preconceived notions about I am going to be, you know, good or bad. And be willing to be open. Now, Pete, now a lot of, a lot of, I mean, I remember being in middle school. A lot of people, it's the fear of performing, I think, that stops them. Even being, uh, you know, even being on the court in front of a bunch of people is different than, let's say, singing in front of a bunch of people. That's a very vulnerable thing. And especially, I mean, especially for middle schoolers, especially for men. I mean, come on. Yep. It's, it's very vulnerable. And, I, and I've been there. I, I remember what that, what that felt like. <laughs> I can remember, you know, just I can remember having m- mostly positive experiences, but there were a few songs that I just said, man, my choir director just picked the dumbest <laughs> song. Uh, funny story. I mean, everybody has that experience. My, my wife, she was in choir her whole life, and I can remember she told me this story about how when she was in middle school, her choir director picked, like, uh, like a SpongeBob medley, <laughs> and she said, "I can't do this. This is so <laughs> dumb, you know." But but that's you know that's just part of it. But so anyway, you don't have to be a performer to be a musician, you know, to try out something in music. I mean, you it doesn't have to be in front of everybody, you know. I think that you can you anything that you do music related can be helpful. You know, I have lots of students that they would never dare be in an ensemble. Although, I mean, I would love to have them, of course, but, but we have discussions about, you know, like, you know, there's, there's one kid over the high school, he comes in, I see him every once in a while, and we'll, we'll have like a five minute discussion about pianos, because I know he takes piano lessons, and he's teaching himself. And like, I don't have to teach him anything, he's, he's just doing it on his own. So, you know, I'm happy when, I'm happy when students do anything musical. Um, but, but, it, but you've got to get over that initial, like, I don't know anything about this because it can, it can be scary, mm-hmm. but it but music is one of those things. I think it's worthwhile because it's it's one of those things that you'll have your entire life, you know. 
90 years old, you could still be sitting there at the piano, or you could still be listening to a recording that you made and still get some joy out of it. So that's, that's what I think makes it different from a lot of other activities. Well, Mr. Shrinka, again, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on the podcast today. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I actually learned a lot about you as well. So, um, <laughs> students that are listening, um, you know, don't turn the music off. You know, keep mm-hmm. singing, keep dancing, keep performing. Mm-hmm. And if you want to just chat music with Mr. Shrinka, I'm sure that he would love for you to to stop by. So, Definitely. thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the HMS Podcast. If you would like to be interviewed and join me on a future episode, please reach out, give me a call, send me an email. I look forward to speaking with you. To everybody out there that's listening, please stay safe and be well, and we will see you again next time.